2: America's fastest growing TV brand, TCL, brings you Mackey and Judd. And the three, two, knocked in the air to well hit left field. Back goes Jay, at the wall, target!
0: A get off my back swing by Mauer.
3: A game tying, solo home run to left. One one at
4: target field. Uh, back to Joe Maurer, uh, <laughs> let him go. You know, let him go play golf. we we'll go shoot deer out of a stand. Leave him alone gonna- for about three years, <laughs> four years, and then have him come back. And, you know, this rush to honor him is uh, preposterous. He was
2: salty on Royce Unchained That's today. That's Unchained. Which is now, you can find it on the Mackey and Judd podcast feed, but holy cow. Well, what were they supposed to do, wait five years to retire an obvious number? No. like no one was going to wear number seven anyways. I don't get
1: what why the day that Joe announced his retirement at Target Field, why they just didn't say it then. Just get up there and be like, no one will wear seven again. We're retiring it this year.
2: Well, it's a chance to get headlines two different times. If you So you get the retirement headline and then the retirement of the number, number headline. Number headline, I guess. PR 101, get, get top of mind yeah, multiple times. I guess I would have just said, hey, Joe. But they sprung it on him today.
1: Yeah. So did, did did he cry again? Were there tears shed?
2: I uh, I was I was not there. So I, I didn't wasn't see it. there. I tried to stream some of it, and my my phone kept cutting out. So I didn't <laughs> like. I heard some of the audio, but I I didn't nice get a good grasp. I know.
1: 2018. I know.
2: Um, our building like our building was built I think during oh. the cold war so it was built basically to make out. sure that people could hide from bombs.
1: Yes. It's cell phone free basically. Yeah. Cell phone f- signal free.
2: It's uh it's pretty much impossible but so Derek and I were having this is this is what happened. This is this is all the the lengths that the twins went to to keep this thing quiet apparently. And last time they tried to keep something quiet. The Star Tribune published an ad and there was some miscommunication and the twins got a little bit upset and it was behind the scenes thing but So so I'm talking with Derek Wetmore, our Twins guy yesterday, and he said, yeah, I've got a – there's going to be some sort of press conference at Creighton-Durham Hall, and it's super secretive, and I don't know why. He goes, I don't know if they're putting him in, like, the Creighton-Durham Hall Hall of Fame, and I said, I feel like he's probably already in that. Yeah. But if it's a Twins-related press conference, why wouldn't you hold it at Target Field? And so we both kind of shrugged our shoulders. I don't know. But Kent Herbeck was the one that delivered the news to Joe Maurer today at Creighton Durham Hall. They kept it quiet from Joe Mauer. So they went to all these lengths to bring Joe Mauer to Creighton Durham Hall back to his high school. I don't know if they lied to him. Joe, we're going to name uh the dugout. We're going to put your name on the dugout. And uh and they sprung it on him and they and they told him that no one's ever going to wear number 7 again. Denny Hawking should also feel honored today. He's was, oh, the Denny second Hall- greatest yeah. number 7 in Twins history. Yeah,
1: he is. All right. So I so then then my question still stands. Did Joe start crying? I'm curious. Joe was emotional. The his last game, he cried, and and he certainly choked up quite a few times during his uh, press conference to announce his retirement. So I'm curious if Joe choked up again.
2: Are you suggesting that it's uh, I think it's wrong to cry? No, or no. Are I, you no, belittling I told,
1: and mocking Joe? I, for no. In fact, I told you this. I said that if Joe, if the Joe Mauer that we saw on the last day that that he came out in catching gear, if we had seen it, that guy. Before, I think the impression of Joe in this town is entirely different. I'm applauding him. He proved himself to be, he proved himself not to be nearly as stoic as as we thought
2: or Teflon. And I don't know, like, stoic is for him. When I think of stoic, I guess, when I think of words to describe Joe Maurer, I don't think of the word stoic, I guess. It is an interesting word because he is very much a robot in his actions. Like but a Bud Grant stoic. But I don't think he's emotionless. It's weird because he's not emotionless, but he's just not over the top emotional. He's not, yeah. He's not fiery. Uh, but I think, I think what you saw from him when he came out dressed in catcher's gear—I mean, that was like the most you're ever going to see from him. It was great. And even yeah. then, it was—it wasn't like blubbering tears, but it was—it was as close as he's going to give you. Yes. And that's also we've you know we've gone over this time and time again, but. It's another example of why fans, I'm going through the mentions. You know, we had stuff posted fifteen hundred ESPN social media and I'm going through some of the reactions to like the Joe Maurer photos and uh I think Seth, our new social media guy, posted, you know, Minnesota legend with a photo of Joe Maurer and like the first two responses were I wouldn't say legend, oh, right? Lord. But that's like he's gonna have to fend <laughs> that stuff off. And not that he's fending it off because he doesn't give a rip, but right. like us on his behalf. I feel I feel like the rest of my life I'm gonna just fend off the anti-Mauer people, the he's not a legend. Like, okay, well,
1: I think they're going to continue to disappear more and more. I think the farther that we get from his playing days, there's always going to be some. The contract's always going to bring some people back to he didn't he didn't deliver on the price of that contract. And it's his fault that the twins declined, which is not true. But I think more and more as he gets distanced from playing, I think that entire narrative or Mm -hmm. story is going to go away. And people are going to – because you are. You're going to come back to this. He is one of, if not the greatest hitting catcher of all time.
2: Yeah, And it's sad that the number on his contract is going to be what most people think of first rather than the number on the back of his baseball card with batting average or doubles. I mean, he's the Twins' all-time leader in these different categories. But that really is, I'm trying to think of other athletes, local or national, that are more defined, good players, uh-huh. that are more defined, not the Mike Hamptons who signed a big contract with the Rockies and got shelled, but legit, good, borderline or surefire Hall of Fame players in any sport that are more defined by their contract than their actual play on the field. And Joe Mauer is probably one of those guys, at least right now, I feel like among a large faction of Twins fans. I yeah, can't think of any think. other ones. yeah like, That's guys who are, fair. like, in the mix for Hall of Fame, but you think of, oh, but that contract.
1: Well, his story, it's, his story yeah. arc, though, is so odd because he was this dominant catcher who who probably was underpaid for quite some time, right? And then he finally got paid, and then the concussions came along. I mean, the, the way his career unfolded, I think the only way that Joe w- would have had a favorable outcome in this town entirely is if after the series of concussions... If he had said I'm done playing.
2: Here's another way to frame it too. Let's 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 go down the path of you know his career arc. So according to baseball reference, Joe Maurer made oh my God, two hundred and eighteen million dollars playing baseball. Two hundred eighteen million dollars playing baseball. And the bulk of that came starting in two thousand eleven. So starting with the bilateral leg weakness year. Now he did bounce back from that and he hit three fifteen and three twenty a few times and then he went to first base and we saw what happened the last few years. But if you were to say Joe Maurer made $200 million playing baseball, and the majority of it was between his rookie year and the first year at Target Field, where he was not quite the player he was in his MVP year, but he was still like, you know, among the batting you know, champion. You know, he was in the mix for a batting championship. Mm-hmm. And then after that, his performance tailed off, and his salary reflected the fact that his performance trailed off. But he still made the same amount of money for his whole career. I honestly think people would have a different viewpoint of him. I think they would say, oh, well, okay. Like no one ever says, oh, he only made $400,000 in 2006 not. when he batted like 350 and won a batting championship <laughs> right. on a team that won 96 games. If Joe, no one ever points that out. If
1: Joe Maurer had played, and, and let's say the career goes the exact same way. If Joe Maurer had played, had been drafted by the Red Sox, and played his entire career in Boston. Or in New York. What's your what's your expectation of, of what the narrative would be about him now? Because I actually think in this town with this player, given his circumstances, we were tougher on him than big, big towns might have been. I really believe if he had been a St. Paul native drafted by the Red Sox and the career goes the same way, which is injuries too, things beyond his control. Do you think that he is? vilified in that town and seen the exact same way that he is here or do you think he actually gets a break from those fans more so than we no, gave him
2: i think he gets murdered in new york i'm talking i i think what would have happened in new york what happened to carl pavano is maybe somewhat similar and that it wasn't just this guy's a bum this guy's overpaid it was let's dig on this guy's personal life now carl pavano was out dating celebrities he was, and yeah. stuff and he and, and he i think he would Post, go out in yeah. the town and. You know, but Joe Maurer would go out on in uptown and stuff. Like he'd go in to oh drink and whatever. It's
1: <laughs> a big difference.
2: He'd go to Stella's fish cafe and <laughs> tear order it up. some oysters. I'd Like a Shirley Temple. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I don't I, I don't know. I think he would have gotten slaughtered in New York. And I think they would have dug on his personal life. I think they would have done more digging on you know, he was very much secretive about when he was hurt, when he wasn't. I think I think I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, and I'm just not so sure. And he dif- he definitely took lumps here that were unfair, but I think it would have been 10x in New York.
0: I do wonder though if he were in New York or Boston, he would have had he would have had more opportunities to play in the postseason. And you know, when you come up with big hits in the postseason, you get a, a big double in the World Series, and I mean. Cardinal fans are going to forever be grateful for David Freeze, yeah, for that game six that he had in 2011, even yeah. though he's like long gone from there and, and everything now and moved on and everything. So I wonder if giving Joe more opportunities to play in the postseason, thus more opportunities to make a big hit in, in you know, an ALCS or World Series game or something like that might have helped his cause in, in those places. A-
2: absolutely. I mean, Kirby Puckett doesn't get into the Hall of Fame if not for Game 6, 1991, and then the Twins paying it off. Right. I, I would argue Kirby Puckett doesn't get in without Game 6, and then without validating Game 6, Jack Morris winning Game 7. Kirby Puckett I don't think is a Hall of Famer. If you look at the counting numbers, I think he's had one of the great 10-year periods or, of all or time. Or Jack probably. Yeah, Jack too. And those guys absolutely should be judged in part based on
0: their postseason heroics. But Joe didn't play in that many postseason games. Look, look at Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone wasn't that good of a baseball player, but Yankee fans love him because of that home run he hit off of Wakefield in 03. And yeah.
1: actually, Joe, Joe on the East Coast after the first concussion is probably is probably traded by that team or gone within a year. So the greatness of him as a catcher would be yeah. what, you know, if he played in Boston. That's him. Mm-hmm. The Red Sox wouldn't have put up with with the concussion Joe for long. And so that was the difference here was he was going nowhere.
2: I mean, he only played—this is amazing. I'm just going to do a little comparison here. So Jason Jason Veritek was uh, not a Hall of Fame catcher, but a very good, solid catcher. That's, his career sort of paralleled the timeline of Joe Maurer. He came in a few years earlier than Joe Maurer, but those guys overlapped for about, I don't know, eight or nine years or so. Jason Veritek played in 63 postseason games, had a chance to hit 11 home runs in the postseason, including seven home runs— and a 500 slugging percentage in the ALCS alone. Okay, mm-hmm. would anyone say so? Jason Veritek, and he wasn't the best postseason performer, but Jason Veritek just by product of opportunity in the postseason was able to put up big time numbers. And you kind of remember him. You remember some of the hits. You know, if you watch some of those games, he's making an impact because he's be he played in 63 of them, right? Right. But you would never if the if if Jason Veritek had only played in the 10 or 11 postseason games that Joe Maurer did. You would never blame Veritek for not bringing the right— because it's a, it's such a—25 guys have to be good for your team to and get to the postseason. Maurer was more punished by his lack of pitching and the lack of a power hitter at times in the middle of the order. And the difference
1: there, too, is is between the, those two guys, Maurer's personality, without question, hurts him. Because what was— Veritek. He was the Red Sox captain. He had the C on, right? He was the dynamic. He was the guy who was going to to control things. Joe being Joe hurt him. And and that's what's okay, but that's what's weird to me in this town. We are very selective in what we want from people, but it's a fine line. Like Bud Grant, right? Bud Grant is stoic. We love Bud
4: Grant.
2: We love that. I don't. He lost me four Super Bowls. Yeah, to which you, overrated. To which you told six five Vikings one six four six eight <laughs> two five five. Eller,
1: when you were what in diapers? Hey, Carl, why'd you lose four Super Bowls? Yep. But the, uh, that, yeah, someone's got to ask the tough questions. I'm glad that you did it at such a young age. But that is the weird thing with Joe was Joe had a personality that that you would think some in this town would gravitate towards, and they absolutely didn't. For the most part, yeah. we thought he's not emotional enough. Therefore, he doesn't care.
2: I think the the biggest regret. From the time he came in the league when the twins were division winners and they you know the twins had built something and then Joe Mauer joined it in 2004. And And I think the biggest regret should be between 2004 and the first year at Target Field, did the twins do enough with the guys they had on that team, Tori Hunter and Joe Mauer? And did they do enough? And the answer is no to sell off future commodities, prospects, to to say no on guys like Matt Garza, and to say no on guys like, I don't
0: know, who else was, like
2: some of the other young players that were rumored to be in talks, and the Twins said no, Aaron Hicks, no, could never trade Aaron Hicks, right? And Adam Johnson,
0: one of those guys, too. Adam
2: Johnson, yeah. Yeah. To stock those rosters, to add another power hitter, to add – the Alfonso Soriano, some of the names that were floated around, Martin. right? To add the the Cliff Lee the in two thousand and ten, yeah. yeah, pitching trade. Yeah.
1: Well, they didn't. Yeah. No. So. No, they didn't. And and the thing with Joe was, I I don't think there was ever been a day or was a day in Maurer's life where he went to him and said, "Give me some bleeping help," like, "I need some help here." There was a time when he was definitely a good enough, dynamic enough player that he he had the cachet that he could have gone to them and said, "You got to do something for me here."
2: Uh, for the record. According to my inside sources, there were no tears shed today. Just so you I know. I told you, he's got no emotion. Too stoic. He's too yep.
1: stoic. I've never liked the guy.
2: <laughs> uh, Mike Oleg Jr. will join in about uh, 15 minutes from now. And also, the football hour that morphs into Purple Live with Courtney Cronin and Matthew Collar today.
4: Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready.
0: On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 35 W northbound. We've got a crash in Minneapolis, uh, one I told you about earlier, in fact. Uh, It's between Portland Avenue South and uh, Highway 55. It's causing about a nine-minute delay now. So uh, if you're headed northbound on W, uh, be on the lookout for that crash there between Portland and Highway 55.
3: Timberwolves forced the turnover. Look Okoge, out. we said he could run! He can also fly! <laughs> man, that's gonna be fun to watch in
1: replay because that dunk sent like four kings flying off into different parts of the court. It's like they were repelled by the strength of Josh Okoge. A 20-5 to run for Minnesota, and then
2: Okoge with the block! You can't keep this man down. You gotta find a role for him night in and night out. Looking for more. He'll dish it to Gorgie Jang and pick up a dime. Okay, do you guys – actually, I have a question for uh, for Judd that I'm going to put a pin in that thought. Write this down real quick. Judd, uh, okay. I want to ask you this before the segment's over. But do you guys ever watch these games at Target Center and notice how close Tom Thibodeau stands to the TV broadcast, guys? Yeah. So they they used to they used to broadcast the the TV the FSN broadcast guys anyways would be on the other side of the court, uh-huh. so as you're watching on TV they'd be they'd have the same vantage point as us watching on TV, mm-hmm. and I think they wanted to sell those seats for premium prices. Yep. So they basically filled in I don't know ten extra seats or something so they could sell sell them for two hundred bucks a pop, and so they moved Jim Pete and Dave Benz right next to the Wolves, not, well, there's seats between where they are and the Wolves' bench, so they're basically three seats down from Glenn Taylor and his wife, and Tom Thibodeau stands right in front of them the whole game. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, I'd love to ask Jim Peet at some point because Jim's about, critical.
0: He talked about that in the broadcast, in fact, because he was like, you know, we we stand, we, Tibbs stands next to us all the time. And then Jim Peet starts talking about, like, the tie and the shirt that he has on or whatever. And then they put the camera on Tibbs, and then you can see Jim Peet. Like, he's like, yeah, yeah, look at
2: my tie. Look at my shirt. But you know? wouldn't that be hard? Don't you well, think? Well, you can't see. Well, that. So but you're I, watching no, I mean the like, the no, whole time. Well, no, what I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Jim Pete is critical, and he says stuff like that, which is Josh Akogi <laughs> needs to be in the lineup <laughs> oh, all the time. He can't, yeah, no. And Tom Thibodeau hears as much as he wants to anyways. I don't know if he's <laughs> – No, no, no. Uh, Tibbs, is,
1: Tibbs is screaming
2: so loud he can't hear him. But he's not all the time. He's, he's scaled back is screaming now.
1: He actually went and sat down last night and smiled.
2: Yeah, I saw it, that. It soon. was so yeah. astounding
1: that, that when uh, Fox Sports North showed that – that I rewound the DVR, froze it, took a picture, and tweeted it because Tibbs was in full. Spot. Uh, I've never it was the damnedest thing I've ever seen. But he sat
0: down, Danny made him laugh in the postgame presser. Yeah. Wow. Good for Danny. Yeah. Second time this year. Well, but but he's basically
2: standing. So Judd and I are probably four feet away across a desk. So he's standing maybe even closer to Dave Benz and, and Jim Peterson than Judd and I are sitting right now. <laughs> if your whole goal is or your whole job for two and a half hours was to hyperanalyze the product, like you were hyperanalyzing me basically, and I was standing right next to you. Wouldn't that be weird? Not if I didn't care, and I don't think Jim Pete cares.
1: I think Dave Benz cares, but Dave Benz is doing play by play and trying to set Jim Pete up. Like Dave Benz rarely says a critical word of Tibbs.
2: Feels like um, um, like Dave Jim, is fully aware that he's standing next to yeah, him. Jim, Jim
1: it. Pete. I don't think Jim Pete cares. To his credit. I don't think, I think that Jim yeah. Pete thinks, if Tibbs hears me, Tibbs hears me.
0: Yeah, and I'm right, so.
1: Which is why I love Jim Pete.
0: Yeah. I'm just, I would just be worried about Tibbs just bellowing out like a four-letter word that gets caught over the mics of Oh, it does sometimes. Jim Pete and Ben's. Just apologize. Yeah, they've had to shut the boom mics off
2: a few times. <laughs> you just have to, to apologize. Uh, my question to you and I and to Manny, too, I think I know the answer for uh for Manny, because I'm rooting for Wolves' success here with this. I, wanna, I don't want to see the Wolves' tank. But was there a moment in that game where they had a 30-point lead and it gets whittled down to like 10 or 12 or whatever yeah, the low quiet. point was? Was there a moment where you were sort of rooting for the whole thing to come unraveled Me? and never. Tom Thibodeau to oh, get never. fired immediately oh. afterwards? Oh, I never
1: would. I never would root for that. I mean, no. just because of after they, they lost to Phoenix, I said a coaching change should be made right now. I would never root for a complete meltdown by the Timberwolves. In fact, you know what? I just thought to myself, if Covington plays the entire game hurt, that's the smartest play.
2: <laughs> I
1: was watching that last that time. Dude, like, well, how does
2: that dude log the most minutes of anyone? I mean, come on.
1: And He's, then he said he wanted no. to play. And it's like, Tom, your job is to save him from himself, though.
2: Yeah. But, there, but when that thing, when it was like a 21-3 to 3 start to the third quarter for the Kings, <laughs> Danny and I were texting back and forth and thinking, this might be... If this happens, so you Tom Thibodeau of... might not make it to the postgame so podium.
1: Weren't you rooting for it sort of, though? Kings I've have come, come all the way back.
2: I didn't want it to happen with a 30-point blown lead at home. There's got to be another way. <laughs> There's got to be another way to get Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> what do you want? It would have been
1: the ideal scenario for you.
0: I wasn't really rooting for it just because... I think I think the writing's on the wall anyway. So like whether it happens tomorrow or after the regular season is over, I don't know cuz I don't the way they played on the, on this last road trip, I don't think they're yeah. a playoff team. And even if they were a playoff team, I still don't think that's enough to save Tibbs' job.
2: So yeah, I agree he's definitely out unless unless this team figures out their you know what on the road and they start to play like a playoff team on the road, but The advantage to letting him go now, if you know you're going to let him go in four months from now or whatever, in five months from now, the advantage to letting him go now would be to see if either, A, there's someone on the staff, Ryan Saunders, people talk about, that could connect with the current roster just to test him out, just to sort of test drive an interim coach for a while. And even, B, just to see with anyone other than Tom Thibodeau what this team looks like and what the combinations looks like. If somebody other than Tom Thibodeau would take his thumb off Josh Akogi I mean, it doesn't take well, they would, a yeah, rocket they would, scientist sure. to put Josh Akogi in the game for 10, for 10 to 15 minutes minimum and ideally 25, 30 minutes like he played last night. So that's what I would be curious to see.
1: I think with Glenn owning this team, there would have to be a colossal meltdown right now. It would have to be huge. I, I do believe that he will make a change in April. But until then, I don't see it. If this was a more progressive guy that owned the team, I'd say, yeah, but you know what? In fact, if this was a progressive guy that owned the team right now, Tibbs wouldn't be coached today. If you, the Butler thing would have gotten him fired. Do
2: you guys think if but, you if you ask Glenn Taylor right now, Tom Thibodeau, you have to make the decision right now, Glenn? Tom Thibodeau is he back for next year? I think I think Glenn Taylor might say yes. Just maybe not after that road trip, but for, sure, for sure before the road trip, I think he would have said yes. I don't want to, well, have the to team's playing well. answer that
0: question. I'm paying $8
1: million a year. It makes no sense, but I'm afraid you might be right, which is why I'd prefer to
0: avoid that question. Well, I, I've been saying for a couple of weeks, I, I think the only thing that could, keep, that could keep Tom Thibodeau's job is if they win a playoff series. And I think even if they make the playoffs and get beat in the first round that he's done, but at the same time if they make the playoffs and get beat in the first round and Tibbs is brought back, would anybody be surprised? Because I sure as hell wouldn't be.
1: No, I wouldn't either. Not surprised, but disappointed for sure, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. of course. You, you'd be disappointed. <laughs> yes. I Here's what I here's what I think is going to be the thing that gets him fired. M- more so than, than the Butler thing, which was a complete debacle, or the on-the-court problems, I think the thing that's going to get him fired is the recognition of the business side of things are a mess, and they shouldn't be. But you're not going to sell tickets. Season t- tickets, which you, you raised the prices for after last year, have gone up, are more expensive. And how many people are going to be clamoring to buy Wolves tickets with that guy as coach? I think that's the thing that gets them. Yeah. Just as a businessman, I think they're going to have to – Someone's going to explain to Glenn this ain't
2: going to work this way. Yeah, I don't know if there's a lot of people that have been explaining things to Glenn for the last twenty years, but you keep going down that path. bottom line, baby.
1: <laughs> Hit him in the in the pocketbook.
2: Uh, Mike Golick Jr. is going to join us so when we come back, and also uh, we're going to wrap with Royce a little earlier because it's a football fiesta between five and seven o'clock on the fifteen hundred ESPN. Cronin and Collar coming in. Uh, we're on the TCL broadcast studios and. If you haven't seen the uh, brand new lineup of award-winning TCL TVs with superior 4K picture quality Dolby Vision, what are you waiting for? Get into a major local retailer in the Twin Cities and check them out for yourself. They give you greater contrast, brighter, more accurate colors, and lifelike images from the brightest of brights to the darkest of darks. And also with the TCL Roku TVs, you get that built-in Roku device, which gives you endless entertainment, the most streaming content of any TV on the market. And uh, you can bring entertainment to any room in your house. So whether it's entertainment you're after or sports, TCL has got you covered. TCL also is offering up the best seats in the Target Center, a TCL Theater Box, which is a uh, five-star cuisine, lounge area, oversized chairs, best place to watch a game inside Target Center. Go to 1500ESPN.com, keyword TCL, to enter to win four tickets for the December 28th game. Mackie and Judd.
0: Are you ready? Live
2: from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now
4: back to Mackie and John. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. Go Pack! Go! If he's not healthy, I'd play the best
1: backup that you have a chance with. And going well, really, and the season. only backup,
0: I mean, they got Boyle, but Deshaun Kaiser is their official backup.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go Matt, Go! Uh, that moment, Mike Gold, Jr., when you're a Packer fan and you realize your situation in life. Yep. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's, it's got to be a sobering moment,
3: and I'm sure one that uh, right now the rest of the NFC North is gladly drinking in. Dealing with the Aaron Rodgers supremacy on a yearly basis can never be very fun, so this is a, a nice shining day for everyone.
1: Hey, tell me about your experience on Sunday off your tweet that reads, A man doing loud play-by-play of the Pat Steelers game at an airport bar is what awaits to greet you at the gates of hell.
3: Guys, I, I, the only thing that made it worse, and you know what, I get accused of being a homer a lot, so I didn't include this incredibly graphic detail, but please you know, hide the women and children right now and prepare yourself for this. He was also wearing a Michigan monogrammed button-down with a Michigan money clip that he pulled out of his wallet, so none of the rest of this picture be, should be surprising, wow. but this New England Patriot fan loudly screaming profanities at the bar, reacting to each and every play, with the deft and skill of a stumbling, drunk toddler trying to work his way through his first football game. So it was a loud experience. All of us had to suffer through it. and I'm just thankful I had Tony Romo gracing my earbuds to try and take me away from what was an abject disaster.
2: I'm glad you brought Tony up because Tony, I love how much Tony Romo loves football. It, I'm, I'm so excited just to hear how much he's excited about football.
3: I don't know how anyone can really be against that either. Like that was my favorite part about John Gruden in the booth. Say what you want about the John Gruden Raiders from this year, but John Gruden in the Monday night football booth, you could just feel how much football mattered to that guy. 10 years and you know, $10 million a year, much it mattered to him, but it's the same with Tony. He's living through it the way all of us are. And for people that, you know, maybe it's a little raw for their liking, maybe he's a little too verbose at times. I don't know, man. I'm all in on it. And, you can tell this year he's getting better at this, too. Like, he's yeah, getting yeah. better at really giving us those details that only elite-level quarterbacks are going to be able to pull for you, and I've really enjoyed it.
1: When when he does not let Nance talk, though, it's fantastic. I love when he just keeps going. That's my favorite, Golik. You can tell Nance is dying
3: inside, too. Yes. Last, year, yes. last year, you could really feel Nance getting bothered by it, Tony just stepping all over his toes. This year, Nance has gotten out of the way a little bit more, but you could tell. I bet in the honest moment, he's still there's some, there's some ill will there.
1: How about Tony expands to the 18th tower at Augusta? And so when Nance is trying to call, you know, hello friends, Jim Nance. Tony's just talking about, I love golf, and Here's what's going on. Uh, that would be my
2: ideal looks, next step here. So it would be like, so Jim Nance looks like a, looks like a five iron for Tiger. I don't know, Jim.
3: I wanna go with a four iron. <laughs> oh, Jim. oh, Jim, I'm not sure how to go I'm with the driving iron on that one. Jim, he looks like he left it a little bit short. I mean, my favorite moment of last year. I forget what tournament. <laughs> Tony was playing and it was one of those when he was still trying to get on like the web.com tour and Nance was calling that and they actually had Tony hit a shot from the sand, pull a microphone out of his back pocket and then start breaking down his own shot with Jim. And I promise I've never seen joy like that in a person. And I can only hope everyone out there gets to find their Tony Romo coming out of the bunker to do his own play by play.
2: Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, Are you, where are you at on Tom Brady here? Because that, That game against the Steelers felt like, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to say the demise of Tom Brady, but it just felt like I was watching, finally, old Tom Brady. Like the TB12 system can't always prevent you from running into father time.
3: No, it also can't prevent the rest of the team around you from kind of breaking down in a way we're a little unfamiliar with, right? Like, we're used to Gronk or Edelman being off the field. We're not used to them both being on the field and being a lot less than themselves. Like, Edelman's still a little bit bothered by that foot, you can tell. Gronk is bothered by everything. That guy, I will be stunned if he's playing football this time next fall. And the defense finally feeling the effects of years of jettisoning marquee talent. They finally let go of the coordinator and Matt Patricia that was kind of holding all that together, right? Like you need that sort of skill on the defensive end to constantly manage you taking the best player on defense and letting them walk for greener pastures when you don't want to pay them. So I think it's in totality. Listen, we're due for one of those Brady games where he throws it back in all of our faces and throws for like 350 yards and three touchdowns down the stretch of the season. But I don't think it changes the fact that right now the rest of this team is kind of just beaten up and, and kind of at the point where it's a little more on the shoulders of Tom Brady than he can shoulder at this point in his career.
1: Are the Rams slumping or have the Rams been exposed? Do you think? Uh, I think the Rams
3: are slumping, but if there's an area that I would say, man, identified weakness you can probably try and capitalize on, it's dead center in that offensive line. Like, there have been games down the stretch of the season, and it pains me because John Sullivan is a Notre Dame alumni who's played great football for a long time, but you've seen him get overpowered in the middle there along with their guards in some of these recent games. And Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, like, we're going to talk about those two hand-in-hand, but he's not moving like that guy. And so when you pressure him up the middle – Every quarterback gets worse, but a quarterback that's not necessarily a roll-out-of-the-pocket guy by nature is going to suffer even more. And so what's the Rams' offense build on? Certainly handing the ball to Todd Gurley, who's dinged up too, but it's also built on deep play-action shots. And when you're getting pressure up the middle quicker than you're used to, it affects your, your timing on all of those routes that they've been deadly on for the last two years.
1: How does Goff not fall on that ball Sunday? To make that throw to me was one of the most ridiculous panic things I've seen in a long time.
3: Yeah, it was it was very confusing. For a guy in Jared Goff who, listen, I, I point out in the, the sort of gut-level fan reaction we all have where when we assess these high-level teams right now, especially in the Thunderdome NFC, you look at Jared Goff and you say, man, if I'm going to compare you to a team like the Saints, I'm saying the deficiency still lies at quarterback just because Jared Goff is so young and because we still have some of those Jeff Fisher memories. But when you make mistakes like that, you don't help your cause. He's played in an MVP level at times this year and got the credit for that. But we've seen now in moments where it breaks down too much around him, there's still a step that's got to be taken. And it's understandable for a third-year player. It's just not understandable for a team that has clear Super Bowl
2: aspirations. Yeah. Uh, we're, okay, where are you at with the Vikings now, now that they have fired an offensive coordinator? They smoke the Dolphins, and uh, and they're maybe even poised to land the five seed if they take care of business. Are you are – you, in wait and see mode, are you back on the Vikings? Uh, what are your thoughts?
3: I'm still concerned. I mean, this is Vikings' offensive line that didn't get better overnight. You know, it'll get help certainly, but personnel-wise, that's the same group that struggled mightily in certain spots. I mean, Mike Remmers uh, inside there at guard has just not been what the Vikings expected, especially this season. And, and that that Dolphins team was kind of ripe for the picking. The way it lined up, a beat up defense coming off that emotional wave. you figured there was going to be a letdown. He figured that people were going to listen to the boss. Like Mike Zimmer says, I want more ground game. Dee Filippo's not willing to give it to him. So you bet your bleep that Stefanski was going to come in there and give him as much ground game as he damn well wanted. The problem is when you go up against the teams that the Vikings are going to have to in the postseason, I don't know if those runs are going to come as easy. Yeah, and listen, as a former offensive lineman, I acknowledge the more you run the ball, the easier it makes the rest of my job because it doesn't give the D lineman a chance to tee off. But I still think that group up front is, unfortunately, too much of a weakness. They'll get to the postseason. I could even see them winning a game, especially if the defense continues to play like this, as dynamic as that group looked again this weekend. But, uh, unfortunately, I think the expectation this year was you brought Kirk Cousins over, you were getting to the Super Bowl, and I just don't see that happening.
2: So, goalie Jr., what is it about football and these, these letdowns that happen? The, so, the Miami Dolphins have a miracle finish against the Patriots – uh, they 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 climb up to the top of this mountain, they breathe life back into their playoff hopes, and you would think logically if it wasn't football, oh, you've, you've got some momentum. You'll carry that forward, and then you'll face a team that just wiped out its offensive coordinator. But in football, it's always the opposite. There's almost always a letdown. It's probably even worse in college. Why is that? Well, it's worse because the teams that do it
3: tend to be bad, inconsistent
2: teams, and the Dolphins have shown themselves to be a wildly inconsistent team.
3: Good teams prepare the same way each and every week, regardless of the outcome. They don't let the outcome infiltrate the way that they're going to go about their business from the time they get back off the field at the end of the game until the very next game. Teams that are inconsistent, that are bad, look at those results and say, all right, we've figured some things out, and they let their guard down a little bit. And I know because I've been a part of some of those bad teams where you have a good thing and things go well for you, and maybe the next week you're not quite as dialed in because you think it's going to start to come easier now just because you did it once. And that seemed to be what bit the Dolphins. You know, I mean, listen, you talk about Frank Gore going down and a number of the other injuries, but I just think inconsistent teams all tend to operate the same way like that.
2: Uh, hey, are you doing any, uh, any bowl games coming up? I got the pinstripe bowl next week
3: on the 27th, Miami, the U versus Wisconsin. So, some, uh, wow. some big boy trenches football for you guys. Wow. It's a good that trip, is... too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, going to be very exciting. Check out the new Yankee Stadium again. Make sure it's still standing in <laughs> one piece and see if I can go steal something from uh, from uh, Judge's Locker. Football.
2: It. Yes. Mike Goli, Jr. See you, buddy. Bye. Hey, pleasure, guys. See you. All right. Uh you can find him early in the morning on 1500 ESPN doing his national radio show, uh, between three and five a.m. And then he hangs out for the first part of Golik and Wingo too. God bless him. That's a Miami and Wisconsin. That's not. I mean, that's a nice little game. A couple of disappointing programs this yeah. year, but in a cool stadium. But good a good programs. trip though. Yep, exactly right. Yep, uh, Mackie and Judd, and uh, if you want to chime in on uh, either the Joe Mauer conversation from earlier. What do you think about his chances? Let's say, what would would his career have been if he played in Boston was one thing we talked about. Or what would the criticism have been of him if he played in New York? 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Luther Brookdale Toyota has an event called Toyotathon that's going on right now throughout the month. And it's your chance to get some of the best deals you're going to find all year on Toyotas. And that includes 0% financing, For 60 months on the all-new Highlander and also the all-new Tundra, you can get, uh, let me see here, uh, 0.9% financing uh, for 60 months on six different models, including the 2018 Prius, the 2018 RAV4, and the 2019 Camry. Those new Camrys, great technology on the interior, sleek, sporty exterior look, much different than Camry's looked six, eight, ten years ago or when I started driving a 92 Camry back in the uh, early 2000s, a used vehicle, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. It's where my family and I have been going for a long, long time. We have trusted these people for three plus decades on the corner of 694 Brooklyn Boulevard, Luther, Brookdale, Toyota.com. Mackie and Judd are back.
3: Start churning butter and put on your
2: church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast
0: off. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick traffic update for you right here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, U.S. Highway 10 westbound, we've got a crash in Arden Hills that's causing a six-minute delay. It's between Pryor Avenue and County Highway 10, so be on the lookout for that. Also, uh, we've got a closure right now of Lake and Hennepin uh, in Minneapolis. That is uh, due to a protest right now going on, so that was uh, brought into my attention about 10 minutes ago. So.
2: I think I know what the, who's leading the protest. We have exclusive audio from the Royce Unchained podcast that was posted today.
4: Back to Joe Maurer. Uh, let him go. You know, let him go play golf. Go shoot deer out of a stand. Leave him alone gonna... for about three years, four years, and then have him come back. And, you know, this rush to honor him.
2: His, uh, leave Joe alone. Leave <laughs> yeah. Joe or alone. Or Ostaggio got designated <laughs> for, and that's why Roycey's at Lake and Hennepin.
4: Did they designate him today?
2: No, oh. no, he's fine. Oh, it's okay. fake news that you're oh. spreading.
1: Yeah.
4: Oh, you're almost. He you gave me a heart attack. No, but <laughs> Cause cause if they had, you might to, be protesting. I'm have to get up tomorrow morning and walk around down the uh, down at the stadium, and I'd be by myself. I probably have a hard time getting anybody to join me. But uh, that's good. Isn't that amazing that? Uh, they, they, when's the last time that they didn't even have a spot for a rule five guy? Phil,
2: that's it's, it's astounding to me that they uh, they always take a rule five guy, don't they? <laughs> they do, and they're well, they've had the J.R. Grahams of the world, but they've also yeah. had the Ryan Presleys of the world.
4: Yeah, right. They once in a while you hit them, and some you know you get in that situation where you feel like you got to keep them. But I was talking to Lavelle; they were out there for a week and had nothing. And that which he might have enjoyed in Vegas. But at least when we had Calvin back in the day, we knew we were going to get a rule five guy on Thursday. We could write a feature on him. It was uh, boy, it was a uh, dull winter meetings. But uh, so uh, anyway, what's the, the Phillies now are uh, zeroed in on Manny instead of uh, Harper.
2: Is that the latest think, word? They're done with Harper? Yeah.
4: Well, I think they're talking to him, but Manny was supposed to meet with them today, and I think they feel like they got a better chance to sign him than they do Harper. You know, when push comes to shove, Harper's going to either get the Yankees, the Cubs, or the Dodgers for 350, don't you? Because Boris is going to win again, don't you think?
2: Uh, I, I would love to see Scott Boris is famous for these big binders for players, the the Prince oh, yeah. Fielder binder. I I would love <laughs> to get a glimpse of the Bryce Harper. I'm sure gold plated binder that he's bringing around all these big market teams. I
4: wonder if he's got these. Bi- still has the binder, even though everybody's using an iPad when he walks in the room. The you know the. <laughs> The Daryl Falvey's of the world aren't carrying binders around,
2: so. No, although we were we we sat down with Falvey uh, a, a couple weeks ago, and uh, and he did say that Scott Boris, as of recently, was still using binders. Maybe he has a digital copy. Really? I don't know. Maybe he gives okay. you. A, They're very nice uh, binders. They are glossy files.
4: I actually, you know, i, I bet i you know, he drove me as crazy as everybody else with some of his stuff. But uh, when he when they signed Royce Lewis here, I had a nice talk with him up in front for about uh, twenty minutes, and he was, you know, he was. He's a fairly good straight shooter when he's not just b s and trying to get his clients an extra hundred million. So, <laughs> so, but he told me at the time the twins made the right call. He said this kid uh, you know, this kid's an achiever and Hunter you know Hunter Green, who he had too is uh, more of a I'm already a star type of guy, so anyway
1: so so the Patrick contention is, let Maurer go. Don't call him. Don't bother no, him. Long, for, for, for how three, long?
4: Years. Okay. and then you know, you know, two thousand twenty-two retire his number. Then we don't have to retire his number seven. He might want to come back and play in a year, right? He might get sick of bouncing the, chasing the twins around and bouncing the kid on it. You know, make sure he's retired for goodness' sakes. You know, I, I just think it's ridiculous that the way they rush into this stuff, they're so desperate to draw twenty-five more people that they're uh,
2: doing all this nonsense.
4: Let it let ferment it for, for, for a while. Let it rest. That's what I say.
2: Well, how quickly did they retire Kirby Puckett's number? You well,
4: know, Kirby, there was a pretty good chance Kirby wasn't going to come back since he was blind. So, uh, you know, that's it. But what do you think about Joe on a statue? He's going to get a statue,
2: right? Oh, he's getting a statue. You know what it should be? It should be bat on shoulder looking back at the catcher, tra- tra- tracking, <laughs> tracking a pitch, the tracking, first pitch.
1: Tracking ball one. <laughs> That's right.
2: That's Daring, the the to to point. Point. Yeah. Daring the umpire to call a strike. Daring
1: the umpire to call a strike. Incredulous yeah. when it's called a strike.
4: That's that's right. Or you know how we got the big Kirby pump fist pump. Yep. We could have a Joe with a real little tiny fist pump. Could be that shoulder high. It could shoulder be. High. Could be
2: Joe uh, playing playing with the dirt with his feet in the batter's box too, back and forth. <laughs> you guys are brutal. Oh, we love Joe. You though. guys are brutal. <laughs> we
4: love Joe. Hey, Joe is as. Bill pointed out last week, Joe is now suddenly a favorite to be a Hall of Famer.
2: Oh, definitely. Now that Harold Harold Baines is is in.
4: Now that Harold has made it, you know, Joe's, uh, I've changed my opinion. I was never going to vote for Joe. Now I'm going to say, well, he's the hometown guy. So you weren't going to, huh?
2: Wait, are you now voting for everyone above Harold Baines? (laughs) No, no,
4: no. You can't. You only can vote for 10 guys. There's 23 (laughs) guys. There's 23 guys, not counting steroid users, on the ballot who are better than Harold Baines. So, yeah, it's impossible. They have created a mess. They have with Harold, I guess there's no sense in going on. You know who's really upset about this when he gets questioned? LaRusso. LaRusso gets really worked up when people ask it, when people get him, criticize him about it or ask him about it because he obviously was the guy that led the charge on that committee to get Harold and all the time. I feel sorry for Harold. He's going to, the, the ridicule he's going to, Go to Cooperstown again next year, and it's going to be all he might
1: over. get booed.
4: Get the, well, yeah, he
1: might be the first guy to get stuff thrown at, <laughs>
4: at him as he's trying to
1: give his induction speech. Uh,
4: yeah, that's that's true. Well, yeah, Jason Stark gets to give the Hall of Fame uh, speech as the uh, baseball writer. I hope he gets up there and rips the selection process on uh, Saturday, but I probably won't. That's probably not a good idea. Yeah, I think Jason's too polite of a gentleman to do that. You would have done it. Yeah, I might have made a little joke about it. You know, I might have made a joke about it, but I, I don't think uh, I don't think we got to worry about that. No. We don't. We're not going to worry about that. We don't worry about that.
2: Would you would you so, would you like have it. would you have a list? Would you have had a list of people to thank, or would you have left that list crumpled up somewhere?
4: I would not have had a list of people to thank. I would have thanked some people, but I would have uh, I would have probably uh, told some irreverent baseball yarns too. So, sure. so anyway. Yeah, what the heck? We'll make it. I might have. I might have gone for the laughs. I don't. Everybody gets so serious. I might have tried to get a few chuckles. But yeah. uh, what the heck? You wouldn't have cried. So, I can <laughs> tell you that.
1: You wouldn't have teared
4: up. <laughs> no, no,
2: no, not Pat. So what do we? What? What, what do we make well, of I our? I got to
4: ask you guys. Okay. Ask you guys a question. What's your Timberwolves rotation? What do you want? You want Rose starting a point
2: guard?
4: Um, Teague. What do you want? Give me. Give me your rotation.
2: I want what I would. I would build it. A Give little, me little bit your backwards. Starting
4: five. Give me your starting five.
2: Okay, cat Okay, this might be outlandish. Well you
4: gotta put you gotta put Wiggins on it just because
2: well, make it hundred and forty. <laughs> Phil wasn't going to but pass. see that's the thing. If I, if, yeah. if if it if it comes down to Well, if Andrew Wiggins is playing and everyone else is healthy, that means Josh Akogi gets three minutes in garbage time, then I'm I'm probably reversing that. I'm putting Andrew no, Wiggins... You, yeah,
4: but if you can get a Kogi getting 20 minutes with the second unit. Can't you just... You got to make the second unit a five-player unit instead of let a Kogi get Covington sure. minutes or somebody, you know? Yeah. That would, that would you know, that would be my, my deal, but... Uh, yeah, I think he's in a situation now where he's got to play the kid. There's no doubt about it.
2: It would be great yeah. to see more Covington and a Kogi side-by-side, just two Energizer bunnies yeah, for have 10, 12 minutes at that and so
4: they have played together, Sam. But it is an interesting situation. It's, you know, I mean, Derrick Rose is better than Jeff D, okay? He is. Right? Yes. You know. So so does he start? But then, does that screw up the first team because he gets up too many shots? I don't
2: know. This team would be fine know. with, with Derrick Rose and Tyus Jones as the two point guards, and Je- and and I don't know what you could get for Jeff Teague. You'd be trading no, a twenty million dollar league average not point at, guard. Not
0: at, those, not at those, kind of uh, numbers. You're not going. are And you're, he's got a player he's option he's, for. He's got a player option for nineteen million that he's in all likelihood going to pick up for next season too. So really, Jeff oh, Teague. I thought,
4: yeah, I thought he was already locked for next year.
0: No, it's a it's a uh, fatigue. It's a player option for nineteen million for next year. So you year.
4: don't think he can get Cerny like Jamal Crawford and not take the uh, player option and thus do the team a favor?
0: Not for nineteen million. Jamal was only giving up about three and a half. <laughs>
4: not for nineteen. Probably that's a pretty easy call. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes it is.
4: Yeah. But uh, man alive, there's no excuse for this team when they go out on the road playing like they do. How do you give up one hundred and forty and then turn around and lose to Phoenix? Come on. How's that happen?
2: It's bad, and then like happen? even even last night, uh, they get up by 30, and then they give 20 of it back to start the second half. Yeah, so it's a very swingy team.
4: That's why Covington had to play 35 minutes. Damn it!
2: Yeah, exactly right.
4: Yeah, there is no
1: there is no way around it, Pat.
4: I, you know, I, I guess I like Tibbs just because he agitates people so much.
1: We figured that out a long time ago, by the way.
4: I think he's an agitator. I think says, you know what they really want me to take Covington out now that we're 22 episodes. Well, the hell with it! I'm we, gonna keep playing. Um,
0: every time they announce his name in the in, this, in the lineups, Pat, they, you know the the crowd just rains him with boos, and he gets this little half smile because they, they got him on the on the on the jumbotron on the big screen and. You know, Sean Parker, the PA announcer, says, Wolves head coach is Tom Thibodeau, and there's boo, and Tibbs just has that little half, we, half we, grand. We think he yeah. spent
2: the year uh, when he was off studying the you know, the great coaches. He was studying Patrick Royce, is what he was doing. <laughs> Learn how to agitate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, uh, that could be. I don't know. Well, Pat, uh, we we uh, we got to run up against a break here, but people can find really? Royce Unchained with Judd. On the Mackie and Judd uh, podcast feed, we, wherever we you get it. We went
4: over the legal limit today, but it's pretty good.
2: So. Awesome. All right.
4: I recommend it.
2: All right. See you, Pat. <laughs> see you, Bye. Come bye. bye. <laughs> All right. Uh, we wrap with Roycey, usually at 545 every day. But we got Cronin and Matthew Collar coming in here. And the football hour into Purple Live. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios.